Hello, beautiful souls. In an effort to relieve some of the stress surrounding the coronavirus pandemic, I have decided to release the Soul Flow audiobook here on this podcast for free. There are 15 chapters in total, 17 if you count the introduction and closing thoughts, and a new chapter will be released daily starting Friday, March 20th, 2020 through Sunday, April 5th, 2020. Please enjoy this free audiobook, and if you'd like to support me and my work, consider leaving a review on Amazon or for this podcast, following me on social media. My Instagram handle is author Kristen Martin, posting about this book to social media, and sharing this podcast and my other resources, which you can find linked in the show notes with your friends and family. I am sending love and light to you all during this time. Enjoy the audiobook. Chapter 1. The Bali Soul Awakening In September of 2018, I had the incredible opportunity to teach at a writing retreat in Bali, Indonesia. It was there in a stunning villa surrounded by 11 other amazing women that I experienced my first true soul awakening. While the health scare I had experienced just a few years prior to this trip was certainly a wake-up call, I wouldn't exactly call it a soul awakening. It was more of a slap in the face, a startling realization that, even though I'd followed all of society's rules and followed its mind-numbing path to success, my life wasn't what I'd hoped it would be. That particular wake-up call was like stepping into the ocean in the middle of winter, bouncing back and forth between your feet because it's so damn frigid. My soul awakening in Bali was much less in your face. I'd compare it to a flower blooming at the beginning of spring. Slow, gentle, delicate. A natural progression after winter has passed. I spent two magical weeks in Bali. And when I say magical, I'm not over-exaggerating. I have never felt more connected, more aligned, more at peace than when I was there. The simplistic lifestyle of the locals was truly something to behold. In Western society, where we're taught to strive for more, do more, be more, achieve more, well, I witnessed the exact opposite mindset in Bali. Being was more important than doing. I remember clear as day waking up in the morning in a room that had just a bed, an overhead fan, and a nightstand. No alarm clock, no television, no PlayStation or Xbox, no stereo, no distractions. Each morning when I awoke, my eyes fixated on the slow, steady whirring of the bamboo fan blades overhead. My gaze would follow the ceiling as it converged into a pyramid-like shape, as if I were lying on my back on the inside of said pyramid, staring upward at the pointed top. Instead of reaching for my phone to check social media and emails, I'd stare at the fan and just breathe. I'd slowly stretch my body, starting with pointing my toes then bending my knees, then wiggling my fingers, until I was sitting upright, rolling my neck from side to side. I'd take my time getting out of bed, putting my glasses on before sliding the double doors open to the terrace that awaited just outside my bedroom. Immediately, I was greeted with the sound of chirping birds, buzzing insects, rustling leaves, and the steady flow of water. Barefoot, I walked along the stone path, noticing the beautiful array of flowers, plants, and foliage lining the villa. 
a couple of small Buddha statues sat at the far end of the pathway, and as I made my way over to them, I couldn't help but notice the smooth texture beneath my feet. Each step I took brought a renewed sense of energy, mindfulness, and connection. As I sat in front of one of the statues, I noticed the lines that made up each angle and contour, the cracks and wear from its many days in the sun, and the beautiful vines growing up the wall behind it. When a bee buzzed near my ear and zoomed right across my face, I didn't so much as flinch. I didn't freak out or try to swat it away or get up and move to a place where the bee wasn't. Because the bee is everywhere. More on this in a minute. Instead, I sat there with my eyes closed, allowing thoughts to come and go like leaves in the autumn breeze. I sat and sat and sat. I just was. It was the first moment I experienced just being. No agenda, no intentions, no action, just being. When was the last time you allowed yourself to just be? Do you even know how to experience this state? Think back to this morning. Are you able to describe in detail how it played out for you? Are you able to tell me the sounds your ears brought to life? The feelings that washed over you as you walked into your kitchen to make your morning cup of coffee? What your eyes had the privilege of seeing at each interval of time? Or was this morning a flurry of chaos as you rushed to the next thing, the next action item, the next destination, the next whatever isn't this present moment? Future, future, future. We always seem to be looking forward. And because of this, we tend to miss what's right in front of us, what's staring us directly in the face, begging for us to take notice and appreciate everything it is. Because when you really think about it, this moment right here, you absorbing the words in this book is all you truly have. Are you fully present? Are you taking it all in? Or is your mind trying to distract you? What about the dishes in the sink, the laundry sitting in the dryer, the 20 plus emails you have yet to answer? Take a moment to close your eyes. Count to three and simultaneously inhale deeply through your nose, then count to three again and exhale through your mouth. Repeat two more times. Then open your eyes and take in your surroundings. What do you see? What do you hear? How do you feel? Be all here. Let's go back to the bee. The bee is everywhere. What do I mean by this? The bee, like so many other things in our lives, is an external stimulus. You and I both know that I couldn't control the trajectory of that bee or the fact that it chose to cross my path while I was sitting in front of the Balinese statue. Instead of trying to escape from the bee, I embraced it and waited for it to pass, because in time, everything passes. This too shall pass. When we try too hard to change the present moment or control the outcome, we're essentially trying to force our own hand, and our hand usually has no say in what's bound to happen anyway. Everything will naturally unfold exactly when and how it's supposed to, just like the soul awakening in Bali. It's not something I could have forced, it's not something I could have controlled, and it's certainly not something I could have planned for. Honestly, it wouldn't have been nearly as impactful if it happened any other way, in any other place, at any other time. How did I know I was experiencing a true soul awakening? The answer is quite simple, really. 
It was the first time I experienced pure bliss. Sure, at different points in my life, I've experienced happiness, excitement, cloud nine, over the moon type feelings, but they were always fleeting. Achieving goals, buying nice things, and getting praise are all wonderful, but these feelings are fleeting because they are brought about by external forces, something outside of ourselves. In Bali, for the first time in my life, I was sincerely happy to just be me. I didn't think about my personal belongings. I didn't think about how much money I did or didn't have in the bank. I didn't think about my outstanding goals or where I'd potentially fallen short. I didn't think about my weight or anything related to my body image. Can you even imagine having a full day free of worry, anxiety, or forward-focused thoughts? Can you imagine having that for two weeks? What about for a lifetime? Being immersed in Bali culture taught me that more than anything, we as humans crave connection, not only with others, but also with ourselves. I remember walking down unpaved roads past the many tents, smiling and waving at the shop owners who weren't stressed or worried or focused on anything but what was right in front of them. There was such a sense of ease when it came to their demeanor, like deep down they knew everything would be okay, like they would always be taken care of no matter what. No winter lasts forever, no spring skips its bloom. That sense of believing in a life of ease and simplicity rubbed off on me in a big way. Things that would normally get me worked up just didn't. I remember sitting in a Balinese restaurant completely calm and patient, even when my food was served what must have been an hour after it had been ordered. I remember skinny dipping in the private pool in my Seminyak villa in the middle of the night, just me, the stars, and the moon. I remember wanting to cradle and take care of the baby monkey that jumped onto my lap in the monkey forest. I remember approaching an elephant for the very first time and laying my palm against its trunk, tears springing to my eyes as an ethereal connection, unlike anything I've ever experienced, was made. In these moments, I felt alive. I felt whole. I felt connected to something so much bigger. Because that's just it. Life is so much more than what your day-to-day looks like, what you do for a living, what your financial situation is, what your family circumstances are. Life is about being, here and now, in this present moment, experiencing, feeling, connecting. We spend so much time outside of ourselves that rarely do we actually look inside, rarely do we get the opportunity to even do so. How messed up is that? We're so consumed by media, responsibilities, and pleasing everyone else except ourselves that we can't even take the time to get to know who we actually are at our core and to sit with that part of ourselves, to just be with all that we actually are. Let me ask you something. At your core, what is your essence? What speaks to your soul? What do you value above all else? What do you hope to do with this one precious life you've been given? Life is not meant to be stressful, busy, or chaotic. You were not made to run on little to no sleep, make poor choices that wreak havoc on your body and mind, say yes to things when you really want to say no, and work your life away so that you can wither away in a retirement home, never having experienced life. Your life. You were not made to live in fear of the unknown. 
you were made to embrace it as the truest, most authentic version of yourself. And if you don't know who that person is or what she even looks like, that's okay. That's exactly why I'm writing this book. For so many years, I did what everyone else expected of me. Never did I once think to set my own standards, to define my own expectations, to determine what happiness, success, fulfillment, and joy look like to me. Society, parents, teachers, mentors, in our younger years, they behave as a guidance system. We learn good from bad and right from wrong at a very young age. And while this is a starting point, that's all it really is. What many of us never realize is that all of these things, our beliefs, our values, our standards, are predetermined and so ingrained that we don't even think twice about them. We don't ask questions. It just is the way it is. So we go about our lives following this roadmap that isn't even ours to begin with, and we wonder why we're confused, unhappy, and out of touch with ourselves. It's because we never tapped into ourselves, into our soul flow, in the first place. Of course, this is no fault of our own. When we're young, we absorb everything. From there, we piece together what we can and try to make some sense out of life. Many develop a moral compass and thereby try to do right by others. This is all well and good, again, as a starting point. But there must come a time when we dare to ask the tough questions. When we think, hmm, that doesn't sit right with me, and actually do something about it. When we muster up enough courage to bulldoze the roads on our map that don't align with who we truly are and begin to build new ones. That's what my soul awakening did for me. It initiated the process of asking the questions I'd never thought to ask, acting on the things that made my stomach turn, and daring to change the roads that had been so strategically laid out before me. Find your other half, someone to complete you, and live a lifetime of happiness. Sorry, Disney, not buying it. New road, please. Be married and have kids by the time you're 30, or be destined for a lonely life with your eight cats. Who says I can't like cats? Depends on your version of happiness, doesn't it? New road, please. Reduce your caloric intake and overexercise to look like a Victoria's Secret model. Sorry, but I love myself too much to deny my taste buds of all the delicious wine, cheese, bread, and chocolate this world has to offer. New road, please. Work a corporate job, even if it makes you miserable, so that you'll be considered successful in society's eyes. If success equals misery, why would I want any part of it? New road, please. New road, new road, new road. You have the power to build new roads. But if your roadmap is already so congested, cruising along the 405, the 101, and all the other interstates mentioned in the Billboard Top 100 songs from the 2000s, it might just be time to take a back road. Just like you would when you're driving, dare to ask the same questions about life. Is there another way? Is there, perhaps, a better way? Most likely, there is. Be brave enough to take it. We don't know what we don't know. I'm about to share all of the things I didn't know until my Bali soul awakening transpired. My hope is that, at the very least, it'll inspire you to start asking questions. It's time to get uncomfortable, my friends. We've got a whole lot of nonsense to work through. Reflection Spend some time considering what beliefs you've lived by your entire life. In a journal or on a piece of paper, list all of your beliefs around relationships, success, 
happiness, health, love, and anything else you can think of. If you can recall, write down where that belief came from, like your parents, grandparents, society, religious background, etc. We'll refer back to this list in the next chapter's reflection.